0: This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lines Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England Football Supporters Podcast. How are you? Hope you're good. Hope you enjoyed the recent episode where I spoke with Sunderland and England fan Deck Welch about his England journey. Bit of a giggle that one. Uh, You could say what goes on on an England away should stay on an England away. But Deck wanted to get that one off his chest. I enjoyed it. Uh, And I have some more of those coming your way soon. If you'd like to get involved and share your England journey and just get in touch, we'll arrange it. Now, this is the preview episode for our final Euro 2024 qualifiers of the campaign. Uh, Of course, we cemented our place in Germany with that victory over Italy last month. That was a good one, wasn't it? Coming up, I'll be taking a look at Gareth's latest squad to take on Malta on the 17th and North Macedonia on the 20th. I've also got a great chat with someone who played in the last Wembley fixture between Malta and England. And I'll be catching up with Alex from the Macedonian Twitter account. But before that... England recently announced the fixtures for March of next year. I think it works out that every even year we have March friendlies, as we're not involved in either European or World Cup playoffs, and the Nations League begins in the autumn of the year. 2022, we had Switzerland and the Ivory Coast in March, there were no 2020 fixtures because of the pandemic. 2018, Netherlands away, Italy at home. 2016, Germany away, Netherlands at home. Uh, I could go on. However, as I said, 2024 have been announced. Unsurprisingly, both will be at Wembley. We play Brazil on Saturday 23rd of March and then Belgium on the 26th, that's the following Tuesday. Does, it does make you wonder if the FA went through the alphabet working out who was available. Ah, uh, uh, Brazil oh, and Belgium. But they are both ideal preparation for the Euros. Uh, Belgium, like ourselves, having already qualified. And by now, uh, those Brazil tickets will have gone on sale to members. Belgium uh, still to be advised. As I say, both are at Wembley. It is a shame, um, but unsurprising. But it would have been an ideal opportunity to take one of these games elsewhere. I guess probably the Belgian one on the road. But Wembley it is. But I would hazard a guess to say that one, if not more... Um, games pre- the Euro finals will be taken on the road. You may remember Brazil were the first visitors to the reopened Wembley back in 2007, A game I was at, a uh, last-minute Brazil goal, getting them a one-all draw. Do you remember who scored the goal for England that day? The first senior England goal? John Terry. Uh, but since then, Brazil have visited... On two more occasions, 2013 when we won 2-1, and then in 2017 for a 0-0 draw. Then there's Belgium, a nation we've met on a few occasions of late. Twice in 2018 at the Russia World Cup, and then twice in the Nations League. Although I'll let you off if you'd forgotten those, uh, as they were both behind closed doors, and we lost one of them. There were quite a few rumours that Argentina would be one of the opponents in this window. But sadly, that hasn't materialised. Makes you wonder if Lionel Messi will ever face England, will he? Or will his career come to an end? Who knows? Anyway, nearer the time, I'll have a preview for both of them. But back to these. Upcoming games. Thursday, the 9th of November, Gareth once again announced his squad for the two upcoming games against Malta and North Macedonia. In fact, this squad, uh, he's only got one more squad left to announce before uh, he announces his squad for the Euros. Of course, he'll announce a squad for uh, those games against Brazil and Belgium. um, And then it will be Squad announcement time. So now is sort of the time that players are thinking, I want to be impressing Gareth. So anyway, this time uh, it was a 25-man squad as opposed to a 26-man squad that he picked for October's matches against Australia and Italy. The differences being John Stones, who is out injured, and Callum Wilson comes in for Arsenal's Eddie Nketiah, who is injured. But I will just run through it before I touch on the other injury worries. So three goalkeepers, Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford and Aaron Ramsdale. Defenders, Levi Colwell, Lewis Dunk, Mark Gay, Harry Maguire, Fikayo Tomori, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker. Midfield, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jude Bellingham, Connor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice and then up front Jared Bowen, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, James Madison, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka, Ollie Watkins and Callum Wilson. It is a squad with 741 caps, 120 goals with an average age of 25.7. As a squad selected from four from Manchester City, three from Arsenal, two from Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Manchester United and Newcastle, and one from Everton, Brighton, AC Milan, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Al Ittihad, West Ham, Bayern Munich, Tottenham Hotspur and Aston Villa. Before we uh, mention any sort of players that aren't in the squad, Uh, I just want to give a special mention to Harry Kane. I'm sure you know all about him, obviously, over in Germany. And you saw his goal from the halfway line the other week. Wow. Uh, Bavarian life seems to be suiting him right down to the ground. I bet he wished he'd gone sooner. Uh, I have to admit, back when all the rumours were going about, I think I said I didn't think he would go to another European country. Uh, But here is me eating my words here. As of this weekend just gone, he'd scored 17 goals. He has set a record in the Bundesliga for the most goals scored after 11 games. That well-known milestone. Uh, Apparently it was previously held by Robert Lewandowski... Back in 2019. But it is the exact form we need Harry Kane to be in. Let's also mention Jude Bellingham. In his first Clasico. Scores both of the goals to win the game between Barca and Real Madrid. Seriously. Does does nothing faze him? Now the squad that Gareth announced. uh, He announced it on the Thursday. On the Friday... Tottenham's James Madison pulled out. Uh, now he came off in that topsy-turvy game against Chelsea. It makes it well to me, it kind of makes it all a bit of a mockery. Surely consult him prior to the announcement. He had a couple of days, Gareth, to to speak with with James Madison or indeed the Tottenham medical staff. I don't understand why they would announce a squad with a particular player and then sort of the withdrawal before the weekend's fixtures have even taken place. I've, it's just my two pennies worth on that one really. Um Callum Wilson sustained a hamstring injury in Newcastle's game away at Dortmund in the Champions League. Bukayo Saka also in the Champions League, picked up a knock against Sevilla, um, but did play at the weekend. Uh, Jude Bellingham he sustained a shoulder injury recently for Real Madrid, and by all accounts, Reece James asked to be left out of the squad after he's sort of recovering from a hamstring injury. He came in as a sub, I think, recently for Chelsea. Um, but I've got a bit of time for players standing up for themselves like that. I think we all know his capabilities and we will certainly need a right back come next year. Uh, I don't think Rhys James has ousted himself, as it were. I think he's just been sensible. But still, no Raheem Sterling as of squad announcement day. Gareth said that the door is still open for him uh, and there is no animosity between them. There's no Mason Mount. Also, no Ben White from Arsenal. Despite Gareth saying there is nothing in the episode from the World Cup uh, where Ben White went home early that is preventing him from being called up. But yeah, recording this little bit before the weekend fixtures have been played. So we'll see if there are any more withdrawals. So Monday morning came around following the weekend's fixtures. And it wasn't just changes in Rishi Sunak's cabinet that was making the news. Changes in the England squad too. Callum Wilson and Lewis Dunk joined James Madison in withdrawing. And in their place came Ezri Konsa, Cole Palmer and Rico Lewis. Let's just take a quick look at those guys. Konsa, uh, 26 years old, and some have said... He should have been in the squad well before now. Uh, Centre-back for Aston Villa. Seven caps for the under-21s. Cole Palmer. He's someone I spoke about a while back when I recorded an episode with Gary from Channel England Football. That one was about the, the summer transfers of the time. He made a surprising deadline day deal to move from Manchester City to Chelsea. I think it was... Circa 40 million. Wonderful prospect. Uh, Still only 21 and has come through the age ranks. Scored a penalty to equalise in the last minute against Manchester City in that 4-4 game. Now he's actually eligible to play for St Kitts and Nevis through his father. So it's good that Gareth has swooped in there first. (laughs) Uh, And Rico Lewis bit of a versatile player for Manchester City and one who has been favoured by Pep Guardiola of late. Just 18 years old and another one who has come through the England age groups. Whether we'll see any of them take to the field in these next two games remains to be seen. But just being involved is a good thing for the future of the England team. Now, our next fixture is the home match against Malta on Friday the 17th. It's at Wembley, and no stranger to that fixture is Andrew Hogg, uh, who played in goal for Malta against England back in 2016. And it's my pleasure to welcome Andrew to the Three Lions podcast. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Russell. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honoured. Oh no, thank you very much for, for taking the time to uh, to join us. You're uh, you're over Obviously. in Malta there. whereabouts in Malta yeah. are you?
2: Um I live in central Malta, um, a place called Ormi. It's quite a big town, but I live in this kind of small kind of piazza with a lot of alleys, you know. Very, very typical Maltese area. Um I live in a very old house that we we we've, we've done up recently,
1: recently moved in. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy. Let's put it that way. Good stuff. Actually, um, you actually, you're born in England, though, weren't you? Yeah, I was born in Kingston. Right. And uh, we
2: lived in uh, we lived in sorry in Weybridge. I went to school at Parkside
0: for for a year, I think, and then moved back when I moved
2: back here when I was around five years old.
1: So is that. Is that your parents um, are Maltese or?
2: Yeah, so so my father's um, uh, half English, half Maltese. He was born over here. My mum's my mum's fully Maltese. I was born in England. My sister was born in England, and uh, yeah, th- my, my dad used to work there for for, for about ten years. He was a stockbroker, and uh, yeah, we we moved back. Okay,
1: Jeff, split loyalties when it comes to uh, when England are playing a sport or anything or football.
2: Yeah, I do, I do. But then I, it's it's funny because then my mom is is uh, is a heavy Italian supporter. I don't know if you know, but it, the Maltese culture is very—you're either an English supporter, you uh, know, or you're an Italian supporter. Okay. And the England and Italy kind of rivalry um, is possibly more loved than the Maltese national team itself. Oh, right. So so I give you an example. Um, uh, you know the, the Euros. Was yep. the Euros? Yeah, the Euros. England is the final. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Total. It was chaos. Really? It was chaos. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so very interesting. And my mom's an Italian supporter. She's got an Italian background as well. So
1: it's quite funny. It's quite a funny family dynamic. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, you were the 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 Maltese goalkeeper. I read sixty seven caps for Malta. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yes. Wow, how did you get to become Malta goalkeeper? Talk us through your your journey to to being part of the national team.
2: No, look, I mean, I was always football obsessed. Um, uh, as I mentioned, in Malta, when when you know, um, back in the nineties, early two thousands, uh, you know, football was was all we spoke about. Uh, I remember the the panini stickers was our kind of um a substitution for PlayStation, basically, and <laughs> You know my, my idols growing up were Italian, Serie A goalkeepers like uh, I don't know Sebastiano Rossi, uh, Paluca, Peruzzi. You know I don't know, all these great Italian goalkeepers. I remember a friend of mine had a pair of 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 goalkeeper gloves of Zenga. They were old sport. They were black. They had yellow cobwebs on them. I I remember them <laughs> today, and it's a core memory of mine. And that was that. That's what was what triggered my love love for goalkeeping, and. Basically, ever since I was I was young, um, when people used to ask me, you know, what 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 do you want to do in life, and for me, it was going to be a professional football player. And uh, you know, and 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 somehow through um, uh, you know a lot of resilience and determination, I I I, I made that happen. Obviously, um, I'm 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 conscious that the levels that I played aren't the Premiership or the Serie. I mean, the, the highest level that I played was the Greek Super League, which um, uh, I'm very proud of because I mean it, 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 it's it's quite a decent level um, uh, league over there so yeah I'm, 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 I, I look back at my career with a feeling of I could have played at, a, at higher levels but also with
1: gratitude that I made it to this you know to, to the level that I did nice, nice way to look at it Yeah I get that So did you play against the likes of Olympiacos and yes, yes. Panathinaikos I think isn't it Panathinaikos Pauk yeah Ofi
2: oh, really? I remember you, you, do, do you remember so you, I'm sure you've seen the meme of Gattuso when he goes sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 that was the time when, when um, uh, I was there as well and I remember we played the games we played in that stadium at the Ofi stadium it's like a hot box when, when you walk into the stadium when, when the, the the coach um uh, stops outside the stadium and you walk through this graffiti all over the 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 entrance saying, Welcome to hell, there's a Grim Reaper, actually. You know, right. of the Grim Reaper, welcome to Hell, and trust me, it is hell. But it's <laughs> a hell that you go in and you say, Come on, let's see what can happen. Here. Let's have some fun here. And I, I played some great games in that stadium. I was always excited. And then Catuso came obviously, and well, good honestly, good times, good memories.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, good memories. Um in a, a league capacity, but but nationally, um, I'm, I'm sure you've got many great memories. But but the one that obviously I, I got in touch with you, you to have a chat about is the uh, the 2016 fixture at Wembley, Malta against England. You played a blinder, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back, yes, it, 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 it was great, and uh, you know, it, it's a funny one for me because. I remember that when I, so I left Greece in 2016, okay, Mm -hmm. in the February, and the fixtures came out that we're going to play in uh, against England in Wembley around March, I believe, end of February, March. And in that moment, I, I spent some time without a club. Basically, there were issues in Greece and, you know, the whole, you know, you, you're writing to, 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 to FIFA to get your release because you haven't been paid, and etc. Anyway, so I spent about a good four months without a club. And the fixtures came out and I saw this game happening. And I used to play this game over and over and over in my head. Um, and, I, and I had told, you know, I was telling myself, listen, you're going to go and play in Wembley. But you're not just going to play in Wembley. You're gonna you you're gonna leave. Um, you're gonna leave Wembley as someone. Now, okay, saying that is a bit um, uh, is a bit grandiose, maybe. Um, but you're gonna leave Wembley on a high. You know, you're gonna leave Wembley as the best player on that pitch. And I truly believe it. And 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 I think that possibly triggered um uh, one of the starts to something that I do today. Today, I I I mean, I I have a full time job doing something that is not football related but also I work as a sports psychologist okay. I work as a mentor for with athletes with teams and uh, yeah it's, it just kind of triggered a love of 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 psychology you know believing in yourself yeah it's, it's uh, i believe in the law of attraction you know and and uh, you know if 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 you see it you you, you truly want it you you, you work hard towards it and, and you know, you, you just give off that positive energy, that, 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 that good vibration every single day. And I truly believe that what you give out, you, you get back
1: in life. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, looking back on that, that game, there's, there's players that were in the England team that are still there to this day. Uh, yeah. Kyle Walker, John Stones, Jordan Henderson, Marcus Rashford, they didn't phase you then. Like when you're walking out of the tunnel, you didn't think, wow, these are premiership stars. You've got that mentality of, I'm not letting you in.
2: No, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, I, I was very aware that playing with the Maltese national, national team, you're, you're, an, you're, you're an underdog, you know? Um So my mentality was always um a mentality of look i'm looking forward to these games but i want to go down and see see how good i am against these guys i was never um i never saw myself as less than them for me every game every match at that level was okay let's see what i can do so 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 it was always an exciting uh, situation more than a fearful one you know
1: yeah is is that how i want to try and i don't want to say the wrong thing but is is that how like a lot of the Maltese players sort of their attitude is as well or can it be a little bit uh, I don't know defeatist I hope Mm. that doesn't come across the wrong way
2: no no it's it's um I understand what you're trying to say and I think there is I mean I'm sure there is an element of uh defeatistism Mm. (laughs) if if that's the way to put it yes for sure um uh, I understand that as a Maltese outfield player, you're doing a lot of running. You're not touching the ball uh, very much. Your spirit, you know, spirits must be low for me. For me, it's different. Uh, I, I'm in goal. I'm keeping position. I'm focusing on the saves that I am making. You know, and then it, you know, slowly, slowly, it starts to become exciting. If, if you're a, if you're an outfield player, I suppose you're just trying to keep position. You know, limit li- limit damage. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I can't really tell. I've never really played out out there, so.
1: You never went outfield?
2: um, no. No. I mean, I mean, yeah, I can play, but uh, not at very high levels.
0: No. So I,
2: I think in today's age, I'd be good with my feet. I'd be, you know, I'd be be not a big fan, I'd be a Edison. No. But I'm okay, I'm okay. Yeah,
1: that, I mean, that is the way now, isn't it? The playing playing with your feet and playing yeah. out from the back. Um, it's amazing how how quickly the game has changed really since really? then. Absolutely. So, Joe, Joe Hart was your opposite number that day. Did you swap shirts with him? I did, actually. It's, it's,
2: it's sitting just up here above me as we speak. Um, uh, we did, and it was a funny one because obviously... Uh, a, a huge name and he was he he was uh, let's say not an idol but someone I obviously I looked up to and obviously it was in the back of my mind where I'd say look after the game I'd love to, to, to. he came up to me in halftime and said hey he said after the game we swap chess okay so, and, uh, and for me that was that that, that was it was it, it was wonderful and then him and I we, we, we stopped to speak after the game and then the, there was the home game where where we met again, he was honestly such a lovely, humble guy. And uh, I mean, we do kind of uh, stay in contact until today. So really, really, I mean, I I love the humility about the guy and obviously the journey. Actually, we've spoken a, a bit along the way and I love, I actually, I'm sure like he has thought, he has taught me quite a bit about um, uh, his kind of mentality and the way he dealt with the setbacks that he's faced, you know, the kind of mentality of listen, I'm giving my best right now. I'm 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 trying to be the best me that I can possibly be. I work hard in training every day, and uh, you know, the energy. I mean, the vibration. One day, well, good things will come back to me if I if if, if I make you know remain consistent in 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 my journey.
1: Oh, that's that's great to hear. Um, that that. That is how he is. I mean, is he still at... I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Is he still at Celtic? Yeah, he is. He is. He's still there. He's getting getting Champions League football, isn't he? Yeah.
2: yeah I have to be at... honest. I have to be honest. I don't watch football that much anymore. Really? I don't, no. I, I, needed, I needed to... When I retired, I needed that kind of mental break. I needed to cut off and and, and kind of experience some other things. So if I have to tell you after uh, after a day out of I mean at work or whatever I'm doing, do I come home and watch a Champions League match? No, probably not. I mean last season the only full match I watched from beginning to end was the Champions League final.
1: Okay.
2: And really simply because I liked the both both keepers and I wanted to 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 see how they how they function.
1: Do you think that's is that the way with many footballers? They, once their time with the game is over, they they walk away and and just to put their hands to something different.
2: I, I, I don't I don't know if it's. I mean, it's 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 wrong for me to say yeah, many footballers, but I I, I do know of of a few that have had to do the same. Yeah,
1: I guess we uh, we just see those. Those ex-players on the telly analysing games afterwards, and and we see the ones who take the step to management, um, and maybe we we sort of forget about the ones that maybe just drift drift off to do yeah. whatever their heart feels. Right for them.
2: Uh, something that I found was was once again, even though I didn't play at, at, at the heights of the premiership, etc. When you're in it, okay, um, you are. You have you kind of have this belief that the whole world um, is centered around the game and the league that you're playing, and like your your focus is so focused on 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 you know this small space of 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 what you're doing. I used to be around my 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 partner and and my kids, and um, she used to tell me, my partner used to tell me, like you're here, but you're not, you're not present with us. Right. So my, my mind was always either in the past or in the present, you know, the past game or, 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 or what's what's coming ahead. And um, uh, looking back, yeah, I was a super intense kind of player. I mean, uh, I, I, I wanted, you know, I, I was a, an honestly fierce competitor. But um, looking back today, I live a much better, and more kind of well-rounded life.
1: That's that's interesting to interesting to hear from from your perspective.
2: Yeah. Just uh, yeah. I, I sometimes sometimes I wonder how 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 uh, mentally healthy I was back then.
1: Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Just going on to the to the upcoming game. I don't know. I, I'm not sure who the goalkeeper is for Malta at the moment, but I'm sure you'll you'll be well and we'll well know how he's feeling. Um, yeah. But what's what's the general feeling with Maltese football at the moment? And and I noticed that the Nations League campaign they've got some they've got some good results in that recently. Has got to be a little bit of a change, has it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you're aware, but the the coach has um, the coach has changed recently, um, uh, a couple of years, let's say, a bit, a bit over a year ago. Um, a couple of years back, we had a really good coach in in, in Divas Manja, um, uh, who had given an identity to Maltese football. Finally, given an identity, because in my time, in my time, there wasn't really much identity. It was defend for your life and kick the ball up. Yeah. I remember one one time, the Italian coach that we had. He came up to me. He said, "Listen, he said if you if you have the ball in your hands and one of our our guys is alone on the side." In Italian, it's a, he says "mandarla tell him to "fuck off," right? <laughs> and, kick yeah. and kick up, and kick up, and and that was kind of the game plan. And and you know, looking back, it was it, it, it was sloppy. You know, there was no identity to it. So now this guy came in and he gave more than identity. They started to try and play from the back. They started to try and do some some some. You know, it, it was it, it was done really well. You know, and and the Maltese public started to to get behind the team. Yeah, and then the Nations League came. And yeah, absolutely. I, I'm aware that that the Nations League um uh, opposition teams are not England and Italy and Spain etc. Um but we did we did well. Um now there's been a change in coach and I feel that the energy around the team is not the same as it used to be. Right. Uh, but you know what? Listen, time will tell and Yeah, I'm all in for giving people a chance. Um, uh, you know, they've brought in this new guy, this new coach, isn't it? He's another Italian. Um, I'm sure they saw saw some good in him, so you know, why not give him a chance?
1: Absolutely, it's all that evolution of the game, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's not like we're winning World Cups before, anyway. (laughs) You
1: never know, you never know. Um, I mean, you said that you're doing your sports psychology now, but and I uh I came about you you've you've got a slightly different job now as well to go alongside that. Where whereabouts are you? Yeah, so I work in a family business.
2: Um uh, it's a bit more than a family business. Um basically my family are brewers so to say. Um uh, and they've created a, a, a brand new um brew house. Um uh, that is kind of yeah i uh, don't i don't know how to explain it it's 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 this super modern factory but then they've taken the old brew house they've revamped it kept all the old the old machinery and made it into this really cool um uh, modern uh entertainment space you know so it's 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 a good mix of corporate and fun so and, and basically, what I do over there is I look after I look after events, and once again, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a new stage in my life, and I just love the whole evolution and and you know the meeting new people and using my network and my contacts to to, to you know to, to make this place a success.
1: And you enjoying it?
2: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I truly love
1: it. Is it is it seasonal? Obviously, Malta being a uh, being an island, there is it busier during the summer or?
2: No, look. Um, in the summer, we experience obviously more tourists, but the you know the the people tend to to head for the for the seaside. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know all the action is around the beaches, etc. Um, we are in the center of the island, literally four minutes away from from my house, um, uh, and and yeah, it, it,
1: things really seem to pick up in the in the winter months. When you say brew house, is it? Are you competing? Was it the the local beer was Sisk? Was it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Chisk. Oh, is, then that's what you're brewing, is it? Yeah, that's ah, exactly it. There you go. The, the so, national yeah. beer, then. Ah. Yeah, the national beer,
2: and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are you aware of the the, the soft drink? Kenny?
1: No, tell me about that.
2: Uh, it's it's a, it's a soft drink that uh, my grandfather came up with back in the. I don't know in the fifties. I, I believe, maybe Ooh. even earlier than that. Yeah. What, what's and, that like? Uh, it's, it's like a, how am I going to how am I going to explain it? You know, like sell it to me. <laughs> it, it's it's like um, an orange, an orangey tangy. It's not like a it's not like a Fanta. It's like a, a Kinotto. What's a Kinotto? Um but I'll send you one. We'll do that. I'll, <laughs> se- I'll send you a pack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, going back to the the upcoming game, what would be a, a respectable result for for Malta? What would they love to come
0: away with?
2: You know, and um, I could be a normal fan and say, uh, you know, the result is everything. I'm going to be a psychologist on this one and say, listen, mm-hmm. I say, trust the process, okay? Um, where I, I see it as in every individual needs to to look at their process and see what they how they are going to perform um uh, to their maximum right and i think if everyone is trying to find success in their own ways before they find success in the results kind of thing right yeah then basically if, if in simpler words if the performance right is a good one then you know i think it's respectable
1: i think they ought to get you on the uh, on a team talk just before the game on a zoom get you in the changing room maybe maybe Maybe. Maybe. they should fly me over yeah (laughs) you'll be watching it on the telly though will you yeah I should be good stuff probably (laughs) (laughs) Andrew thank you very much for your time really appreciate it just giving us a, a little insight into into your time playing and and the fixture between the two nations thank you
2: great thank you thank you so much
1: Thank you to Andrew there, Andrew Hogg, former Maltese goalkeeper who played at Wembley in that 2016 fixture. Go and have a look on YouTube at the the highlights from the game and you will just see how much of a game he had. Now before I bring in Alex from the Twitter account at MacedonianFoot underscore, I'd like to talk a little about. North Macedonia as this will be our third trip to the country since it became independent in the Balkans back in September 1991. We met them in 2003 away in a Euro qualifier winning 2-1 thanks to goals from Wayne Rooney and a David Beckham penalty and three years later in 2006 this was just after the World Cup. We met them for a Euro 2008 qualifier. Peter Crouch with the only goal of the game there. But I want to take you back to that first away game in 2003. This was where the FA declined an allocation of tickets for the fixture because of previous crowd trouble and the fear of it happening again and derailing the efforts to be at the Portugal finals. Now, according to the Guardian newspaper, the FA bought all 2,500 tickets and distributed them to local school children through the British Embassy. So the plan was to reduce this potential firestorm by making it harder for England fans to get into the fixture. Paul Barber the FA's Director of Marketing and Communications at the time, said anyone that does travel does risk having a banning order in the future. They will also be putting into danger our possibility of competing in Euro 2004. Match day and the Macedonian authorities employ 1,800 police and security guards around the stadium to stop any potential trouble Check tickets and the like. However, well before the FA had announced this ticket ban, many England fans had arranged their travel to the country, and rightly so, and in doing so, they defied Paul Barber's advice. They found themselves in Skopje buying tickets from the black market. At the time, the stadium only held 18,000. These days, it's just over double that, the stadium being expanded somewhat. But back then, tickets were about £10 locally. Interestingly, this time around for England fans, they're actually priced at £9.50. But back then, they were changing hands on the black market for around €100. £70 back then. Reading a BBC report the day after the game, on the 7th of September, it says England's clash with Macedonia has passed off without English fans being involved in any major violence or incidents. More than 500 fans are thought to have travelled to the game and bought tickets on the black market, despite pleas by the FA. They were controversially applauded by the players at the end of the match. To which David Beckham said, You've got to acknowledge them because they've come a long way and spent a lot of money, even though they were warned not to come. Now there was a moment within the stadium where an area of Macedonian support was seen burning a St George's Cross during the national anthems. Fortunately, this didn't encourage any issue with the England fans who were there. But this is John Mopson's reaction to that moment, with the game being shown live on the BBC. Not so sure about that. There is a great supporter's written book that I've mentioned before. It's called England Till I Die, and it's edited by David Lane. You can pick it up, it's really cheap online. There is a written account by Steve Ramage of the game who got his and his friend's tickets through a journalist going via Thessaloniki in Greece and onwards by coach, which by coincidence is the same way I plan on going for this upcoming game. Although I'm hoping to actually see the game, unlike Steve and his friends. Seriously, check the book out and read the whole story for yourself. There is a little moment about the possibility of taking a tractor, once again, here is John Motson describing the ticket situation. Just going back to the ticket situation, 500 England fans estimated here have bought tickets on the black market for anything up to £100. Locally, the tickets were sold to Macedonians for 8 to £12 and because so many got onto the black market, there are some empty seats in the ground which would normally hold 18000 Frank de Bleckera of Belgium is tonight's... One person who did get into the ground was Brighton fan Mark Raven. I've spoken to Mark before on the podcast uh, and he's given me permission to read out some of his blog from the time. And he too went via Thessaloniki from Gatwick with 30 or so other England fans. Now he caught the train to Skopje and on crossing the border was met by passport control. They simply asked, are you going to the football? They then stamped his passport and moved along. And when they got to Skopje, uh, he was met by many Macedonians wanting to sell him their tickets. Fortunately, though, for Mark, he'd sourced his elsewhere beforehand. And despite the warnings of not going to the game, Mark found himself able to get into the ground with no issues. Lots of small groups of English funnelling in with the locals. And whilst I think he was in the main stand he mentions that he saw a large group of England fans were taken to a section behind the goal where they managed to hang their St George's crosses. Inside, he had the opportunity to take plenty of photos. He tells a great story of when the national anthems were being sung by a couple of local singers, a grand piano was wheeled across the running track to accompany them. And he has the photo evidence of it. The only sour note being the racial abuse aimed at Sol Campbell and Emil Heskey. You can find Mark's blog at EnglandBrighton.blogspot.com. There's a couple more stories from the England supporters Facebook page of people who went. Richard Charlesworth says 2003 was brilliant, apart from being held for three hours by the Bulgarian border force on the way in Uh, there was good weather the police made an away section for us uh, of which they were chanting we're supposed to be at home Wayne Rooney's first goal was celebrated in front of them there uh, and apparently on the tv Gary Lineker snidely commented that they shouldn't have been there Richard says that there was very sensible policing at the end of the game with the gate to the pitch opened so that the England fans could move to the centre circle whilst the locals left. Interesting. John Little, also on the uh, Facebook page, he had already booked flights and hotels in 2003, before the FA said that they wouldn't be accepting any tickets. Uh, But they decided to go anyway. Got questioned at Skopje Airport. Uh, and John said that he was going to Lake Orid. I've heard of that. Uh, It looks really nice. Those Border Force didn't really believe him, uh, but thankfully let him through. He got his ticket for the game from a guy selling them at a table in the market square. How times have changed, eh? Uh, It turned out that the ticket was the end where their ultras were, who robbed and burned the England flag? Ah, so uh, so John was in when the anthems were being played and when they uh, the Macedonians were burning the the St George's cross. Dear, uh, fortunately he just moved away from them, kept his mouth shut, uh, and didn't have any further problems. Uh, he also went in two thousand and six again, no problems then. As I say, 2006 was the next time we visited. Things had moved on a little then. We were given an allocation of tickets. It still, though, took some effort to get to not only the ground, but also the country. But once again, the result was in our favour. Although that was one of very few highlights in that qualification campaign. It's time to welcome back to the podcast, Alex, from the Twitter account, at MacedonianFoot underscore. Hello, Alex. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Good. So, Macedonia is the is the last fixture of this European qualifying campaign for next year. Um, England will be heading off to Skopje um, and for yeah, this ideal opportunity to to just chat again. Um, just just remind us of your, your your Macedonian heritage. Was it your father's side? My father, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he
0: he, he's Macedonian. Outside of Skopje, probably about thirty minutes drive from Skopje. Oh, okay. So did he has he been over here long? Um, I think it's thirty years now, so. Okay. He's probably more English than Macedonian, if you look at it that way. Gotcha. But he's
1: he's still uh still very much Macedonian in his is his thoughts and feelings, is he?
0: Yeah, he's adapted some sort of English traits, but he's still sort of Macedonian at heart, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Nice.
1: and And have you picked up on an, on any of those yourself,
0: um I probably a like the stubbornness and things like that, yeah, but on the mentality i've luckily he and me have got more of sort of a, an English mentality which serves you a little bit better gotcha gotcha
1: well on the on the pitch, the last time we met was uh back in June time up at old Trafford wasn't it? was it a game you went to? <laughs>
0: No, I didn't in the end, which is quite fortunate, really. <laughs> um, I, I would have liked to have gone it's just to experience and then play Old Trafford, but it's a game to forget, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I seem to remember that for the for the away tickets, you were saying that the, the Macedonian FA were sort of messing around and taking their time in, in issuing tickets. Was that right?
0: Yeah, I think they left it sort of right to the to the wire a week or two before like they've done they've done previously when we played away in Italy, I think, right. for the semi-finals of the World Cup. They only released them you know, one and a half weeks before the game, which is pretty ridiculous considering you've got to book the flights and everything. So they do tend to leave it to the last minute. Well,
1: absolutely. It's something that the England fans um, can sympathise with because um they they left us hanging for quite some time for away tickets um initially uh i think i think initially they said that they were going to give england fans around 1900 tickets but that was that was only a little while ago and it was only when um i think when you lost to ukraine did yeah. they um then say oh you can have another I think it worked out about another six or seven hundred tickets. Um, but there's there's quite an away end there um in the ground and there's gonna be a lot of England fans, I think, rattling
0: around in quite a larger away area. Yeah, well I'll be honest, I have not seen that away side fully full since well, twenty seventeen when it wasn't in Masonia, it was um Man United Real Madrid and the Super Cup finally. Oh, yeah. That that sort of says how bad the attendance is and a lot of um away fans-wise, sort of countries you play, and they, they do travel, but not as much as sort of the England fans are known for. So it'll probably be the first time that that section is pretty much full. Mm. There, there
1: was a picture of when Italy um, went to Macedonia for a recent game, and, and I think there must have only been about 150, 200 Italian yeah. fans within a, it a huge um, area behind the goal. It, it looked very non-league. Put it that
0: yeah, way. It, it looks a bit and and the sort of colour of the seats is all washed away and it looks a bit like like old fashioned sort of times. You know what I mean, like an old sofa. Yeah, yeah, an old sofa. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I mean the the game in uh, Old Trafford, seven um, 0 to England, was that where it all began to go wrong for for Macedonia? Because you were doing quite well and and were almost giving Ukraine and. And Italy a run for their money for qualification? Would that be a sort of safe, thing to, safe things
0: to say? Um, I would probably disagree disagree with you, but sort of from your side and anyone outside of Massignia, I think that would might be a fair point. But mm. sort of within massonia within the fans and sort of following it, it felt like sort of a result like that was coming. Sort of thing we've kind okay. of last couple of years we've we've got we've, we've disappointed in the Nations League in a group that we we should have won really, and we should have. Gave a better account for ourselves. And the coach, a lot of people aren't a fan of. And the performances just haven't been good at all, sort of thing. And um, since the England game, actually, the performances against Ukraine, Italy, Malta, and a friend against Armenia, they picked up massively. And we probably have been playing the best football we have under Malevsky since the England game. Okay. So, from the outside point of view, it might look like we were doing well. But from an inside point of view, it was the worst we've been for seven years. And now it seems to have picked up a little bit, but people still aren't a fan of the coach. And I think last week it got announced that he's likely getting a two-year contract. And um, under my tweet, a hundred percent of the responses were all negative. I don't think anyone is happy to see him stay for a further two years. But I know a lot of the players and the sort of people close to the the team, you know, agents, stuff like that, actually really like the coach and think he's really good. So it's actually a bit of a sort of, Divide between the fans and the players, but I, I try not to voice my opinion on the coach because I'll be in the minority. Because I actually kind of wanted to stay after the last couple of international breaks. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. If if you're picking up a couple of good performances
1: and a couple of good results, then you can almost see it's almost like a, a turning point, maybe.
0: Yeah, I I think I think the problem is is it's sort of the trust. We've we've been here before a couple of times when we beat Italy. Then we lost to Portugal, which is not anything we sort of hold against him, but we were kind of expecting to kick off from there. And then obviously the Nations League followed and we were absolutely terrible. So I think people probably don't sort of have the trust. We'd be struggling to sort of score goals when like against the Ukraine, we um we had a really strong performance. They started well for the first 25 minutes and then they scored a deflected goal. We piled the pressure on, we had four or five really good chances we just didn't score. Ukraine like, defended well, had a few chances in the second half, and then they just won it in the 90th minute. To, you know, and it was just felt like on a different day, maybe we can get a result. But yeah. that, we've been saying that quite a lot, if you know what I mean. So it's like, maybe we just aren't good in that sense. <laughs> do, do you think that Italy game, the famous one we we
1: beat them, was, was that kind of put a sort of a twisted narrative on macedonia Do people think like from the outside maybe myself that oh they're actually they're beating italy they're, they're a better team um than than maybe you actually are obviously you
0: got to the euros as well didn't you yeah um again i, w- I would say it's more from the outside we 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 get the risk sort of from obviously you like you're appreciating our how our performance is and our results and I would say that's fair, but from the from the inside again, I feel like maybe we expect too much, just because of the last three or four years we've had. Obviously, go into the Euros, we beat Germany in Germany, we um, beat Italy, got against Portugal. I feel like maybe at times our expectations are a little bit too high. Obviously, we're in sort of a golden generation, and when you compare our players to even you know the likes of not even big nations, but ones like Poland, let's say we play. It's Mm. it's not even comparable to squad, it's just probably speaks how well, how much we've overachieved, the fact that we probably feel entitled to better results, better performances. And I think sometimes we need to probably think back five, six years ago and realise how bad we were to how we are now and just be happy with what we are now instead of expecting more.
1: Yeah, No, I get that. Well, you've got these last two games in the campaign for yourselves are... Uh, Italy away and then England uh at home. Um well, obviously you'd like to finish the the campaign on a high. What do you think would uh, would be a good result for the for the manager? Get three
0: points out of that four points maybe? Um I think first of all, hopefully not losing seven 0 to England again would yeah, <laughs> positive. But I, I got um I think three I would say just a point is, is would make, make us sort of happy because Italy, I think they're going to want revenge after, or they're obviously trying to fight for qualification right now so it's, it is a massive game for them and I think we've obviously done enough damage to them over the last three times we've played them so I think if we can, we'll get a point against Italy definitely, but I think the England game, I think England are probably the best nation against the lesser nations and games you expect England to win, I think there is no one who is better than England so I would be happy with a point over the two games I would probably say and just not to concede a lot of goals and embarrass ourselves again fair enough well, we shall we shall see how it all unfolds <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: well this is going to be my first trip to Macedonia and to Skopje um, I know uh, I think in this instance you're not going to the game are you no I'm not no no but You've you've been obviously back to to Macedonia before. I just wondered if you can maybe tell us a little bit about the the city and and the stadium, um, and and just what it's like there. Any local delicacies to try out?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Skopje is, is a is an, is a nice city. It's a big city, quite like sort of densely populated within Macedonia. But the centre is very you know all sort of stone. There's a lot of statues. So if you're into your sort of history and and statues, as um. A lot to see and a lot to read. There's a bridge with about a hundred statues on it, wow. but there's also the old bazaar, which has a lot of very nice restaurants. Which I normally every summer when I get back, I definitely have a few meals in the old bazaar. Sort of old Turkish style houses and roads and shops and restaurants, and then um the stadium is only, which is quite nice, about a ten-minute walk from the centre, and it's quite a straightforward walk. You just walk sort of on one one road, and you end up at the stadium. Yeah, sure. with the stadium is, as you mentioned earlier about about the Italians, the um the standard of the seats and everything is a little bit derelict. <laughs> We've recently actually installed a new a new pitch because after the part of the reason we yeah. got a point against Italy was we were literally playing on a you know like a, a cow farm that the pitch had been neglected for that long because the federation and the the sort of city council couldn't decide whose job it was to look after the pitch, whose job it was to Really, you know, to yeah, to keep the upkeeping of it, and it basically just got left. Okay. And I think it rained when we played Italy as well, and like it was like you find a better pitch going to watch, you know, under-elevens in England somewhere, <laughs> and it was absolutely horrific. And Italy and Spalletti used that as an excuse, which is 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 fair enough if you know what I mean, yes, it's it's not it's not like I'm honestly surprised the, the game was allowed to go on. It should have been probably moved to a different stadium but since then they have the federation have decided they're going to pay money and lay a new pitch which I believe is laid already and I think it's 70% artificial and 30% grass so hopefully okay. the upkeeping of it will be a little bit a little bit easier but I think this will be the first game that gets played on a new pitch so I hope it's been installed correctly <laughs> otherwise knowing oh. no the, the, the history with the stadium would surprise me for some sort of issues of it still oh but it's quite a straightforward walk and then I'd say for delicacies and sort of food there's a lot of meat a lot yeah. of meat to choose from there's one of my personal favorites called tavchi Gravci. and it's Great. like sort of beans in this tomatoey sauce which is quite quite popular around there there's there's a lot of meat and a lot of stuff to choose from so i'd advise probably going to the old facade there's a couple of restaurants in there that sort of do a wide range of of um you know specialities and it's quite well priced so i would just advise going there ordering you know a big meal it's not too expensive I and mean, you can kind of try everything and and see what you like
1: and and for for those that like a beer what's the the beer of macedonia
0: there's two okay. there's Skopsko, which is quite a strong a stronger taste and then there's Latandab, dab which is a bit of a sort of a smoother one latin dab's my favorite okay they're both really good slatin dab
1: and and what was the uh the name of the food there were the beans Tavči gravči. Chavchi Gravchi and Zlatan yeah.
0: and Babel. Uh, I shall try it's A good combination. Yeah. yeah, I'll try those out. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, no, really, really looking forward to to going and exploring a new city. Um, obviously, um, throwing a game of football as well. Yeah. Um, just tell us where you can uh, where you can find yourselves on on Twitter and and how long you've been doing that for.
0: Yeah, my Twitter is at Macedonian underscore. I've been doing. Twitter for about let's say about seven years now I started it when I was in um secondary school with my friend he was Moroccan and then um, we both decided we sort of you know loved our country's football sort of thing and um we thought there wasn't that much coverage of it so we both started an account I got free for it was after the euros it got suspended my account for for copyright because of some old videos I shared no yeah. and sort of you know what twitter's like you can't actually i couldn't find a reason for ages you can't appeal it and it is my own fault as well for posting these videos but it was for a video i posted two years ago sort of thing like in 2018 i got banned in like early 2021 but then since i made a new account and i've um i've been back doing this one i created this one in july 2021 so I make sure I don't post any videos now. So in the get, line and, now. Yeah. So I've, I've learned my lesson. and uh, It's never about followers. I just do it because I enjoy it. Sort of
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and what was it? Your, your friend does a M- Moroccan one as well. He did do, but I don't think he doesn't do it anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, if, if when England next get drawn against Morocco, I'll have to uh, tap In the World you Cup, up. maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'd like say after, after, was it Morocco in the World Cup recent? In Qatar, yeah, they did quite well. They did. And I, yeah. I was wondering that, England would maybe tap up on a friendly against Morocco. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, Alex, thank you very much for your, for your time. It's very much appreciated. Um, go, on, everyone go and everyone can have a uh, a follow of of the Twitter account there and and just keep up to date with with the game coming up. Thank you very much for your time. And yeah, who who knows? We'll uh, we maybe meet again.
0: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: We go. Thank you to Alex there for the guide to Macedonia and, uh, and a little wander around Skopje. Getting quite excited now. Thank you also to Matthew Hogg for his time. Really grateful for that and really interesting. I hope you enjoyed it. Now I'll be back with you very soon to review these games. I've also got a couple more of Your England Journeys in the Pipeline And I've also been to Canning Town in London for a future episode. Uh, This is quite important. It's a story that really needs to be heard. uh, And I'm hoping you can hear it here on the Three Lions podcast. Stay subscribed and you won't miss it. If you are heading to Wembley for the Malta game or indeed Macedonia, safe travels, perhaps I'll see you there. If you're watching from the comfort of your own home, enjoy it as well. So until the next time, take care of yourselves. Cheers.